Hi, welcome to the ACE Tip Podcast. We come to you from the Center for Advancing Correctional Excellence, ACE, at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, and via the Coordination and Translation Center, CTC, of the National Institute on Drug Abuse's Justice Opioid Community Innovation Network, or JCOIN. I'm your host, Danielle Rudes, Associate Professor of Criminology, Law, and Society, and the Deputy Director at ACE, and one of the leads on the Capacity Building Corps of the CTC for JCOIN. This podcast is all about translating science into sense. It's about helping criminal justice practitioners, students, and everyday people learn about cool developments in the justice research world, but without all the dryness of the ivory tower. There's a lot of really great research out there, and we'd like to bring it to you in bite-sized doses to help you understand it and be able to use it. No PhD required. Each episode will break down scientific research into a 12 to 15 minute podcast. You can listen to it wherever you are and when it's convenient for you. We'll give you the science, but in a way that makes sense. We also finish with an explanation that translates the research into real words that explain why it's important and how and why you might want to use it. So let's get started. Celery, avocado, plain pasta, junk food. Besides being the oddest grocery list my eight-year-old could make for this week's grocery store run, these food items made the list for a reason. Remember these four, celery, avocado, plain pasta, and junk food, because they'll serve to keep today's podcast digestible. You see what I did there? As consumers of just about anything and everything stores have to offer, you know that the one-size-fits-all tag does not fit all. Not all grocery stores are created equal. Have you seen the potato chip aisle at some grocery stores? Abysmal. The bakery, though, at others, sublime. So as consumers, if you know where to go to get what you need, because that place has the thing that suits you best, then maybe that type of logic is translatable for, I don't know, let's say, individuals involved in the criminal legal system. You know there are many tools out there crafted to assess the risk and needs of individuals, but there are still many unanswered questions about what matters most when making decisions about how best to supervise people on probation or parole. Researchers, like the ones we'll talk about today, point out that the same generic program might not be appropriate for all individuals. Yeah, well, the last big and tall, one-size-fits-all shirt that I bought as a gift for someone was neither big nor tall. People come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their risk and needs. Think about your grocery list. When you rush to one grocery store to pick up fruit and another to pick up meat, you're selecting products and services that are tailored to you and your tastes. Remember, not all grocery stores are created equal. Similarly, not all programming is created equal, and not all programming is suitable for all people. When it comes to risk and need assessments, we can agree that needs matter. But it is unclear just how they matter, and by how, I mean how do needs influence recidivism. Well, scholars Bay Taxman of George Mason University and Michael Cotty of the University of Central Florida provide a first glimpse at understanding just how needs matter. Their study, published in Criminology and Public Policy, entitled Risk Tells Us Who But Not What or How, Empirical Assessment of the Complexity of Criminogenic Needs to Inform Correctional Programming, woof, why do academics insist on such long titles? They might just as well call it What Works for Whom, Helping Correctional Staff Be Matchmakers. Matchmaking is the last slice of the risk-need-responsivity pie, and one that's not studied very often. 
Correctional staff can increase their chances of making a good match, that is, connecting individuals with resources targeting problem behaviors, through the use of instruments that are valid and reliable. But static risk factors alone can't tell staff much about individual needs. Relying on risk oversimplifies the complexities of individuals. Instruments considering needs help staff unpack the complexities of each case and give staff directions about how best to play matchmaker with services for individuals. But what if needs group together in ways for different people? And are those different groups of needs related to risk? And does this matter, say, for predicting recidivism? This brings us back to the Taxman and Cotty study. In that work, they argue that determining what works and for whom remains unsolved. To help fill the gap, they divide the sample of 17,000 North Carolina probationers into smaller groups based first on their needs, then based on destabilizers, then based on their risk. We'll talk about their risk a bit later. To determine if individuals group together based on needs and destabilizers, destabilizers are things in individuals' lives that can mess them up, like homelessness, for example. Taxman and Cotty use something called latent class analysis, or LCA. This is really just a fancy way of assessing clusters or understanding how different things group together. A total of four groups emerged. Each group is labeled with two measures. First is the probability of having one or a combination of primary criminogenic needs. You know, things like substance abuse, criminal peers, antisocial personality, antisocial values, and low self-control. Then, the second measure is the probability of having a or a combination of destabilizers. These are more tangible, dynamic needs that might need to be addressed first. Things like housing, employment, education, financial, family, and mental health. So for every group, there's basically two camps. Camp one is individual need. Camp two is individual destabilizers. All camps are measured as high, medium, and low. We have one group. This group consists of individuals with moderate needs and high destabilizers. The second group is low needs and low destabilizers. Third group is high needs and, uh, wait a minute. Remember that list I gave you at the beginning of the food? Yeah, well, it wasn't just a grocery list, but a way to name these groups to help us figure out how to keep them all straight. We're gonna talk about one group. We're gonna call it the celery group. They have low needs and a low presence of destabilizers or like low calorie and low fat. They also have a low presence of taste. I mean, taste, any taste whatsoever, but I digress. So this group, celery, is low and low. Another group is a lot like the avocado. They have moderate needs and high destabilizers, like avocados that are moderately caloric and high in fat. So the avocado group is moderate need, high destabilizers. You remember the third item on the list? Yep, plain pasta. And when I say plain, I mean plain, no butter, no seasoning. That's because this group is high in calories and moderate in fact. So you putting it together? This group is high need, moderate destabilizers. Last group refers to that aisle you don't walk down when you're hungry. You guessed it, junk food. High calorie, high fat. Also high need, high destabilizers. So we've got our weird picnic basket of food all filled with varying low, moderate, and high caloric foods. And we have also needs and destabilizers. Now what? What does that mean? In each of these groups are individuals ranging in risk from low to high, which means there are some high-risk individuals in the celery group, that's low and low, and low-risk individuals in the junk food group, that's high and high. Now that Taxman and Cotty knew the four groups, 
They wanted to see how these groups related to recidivism. Taxman and Cotty measured recidivism in three ways. Arrests, new convictions, and incarcerations during a two-year follow-up period. They found several things. First, they found that probationers in the junk food group, high needs, high destabilizers, and the pasta group, high needs, moderate destabilizers, were more likely than their counterparts hanging with the avocado, moderate needs, moderate destabilizers, and celery, low needs, low destabilizers, to recidivate on every measure of recidivism used. More likely to be arrested, more likely to receive new convictions, more likely to receive recommitment. Second, they found that the low-risk individuals on probation in the plain pasta and junk food groups those are the groups considered to have high needs, actually recidivate more than the low-risk individuals on probation in the group celery and avocado, you know, with low and moderate needs. This means that despite the predictive validity of risk, adding needs as a part of the process improves predictions. Needs contribute much more to the story of potential reoffending. It's okay. Go ahead and say it. I knew it. So what does this tell us? The concept of risk helps us identify who requires more structure, while needs tells us how to structure it. Since a lot of programming is considered generic or reserved for high-risk individuals, relying on a more comprehensive assessment that accounts for all of this messiness in our picnic basket offers help to staff to make them better matchmakers. We have a high-risk individual, but with low needs and low destabilizers. Is he or she in greater need of programming than the low-risk individual with high needs and high destabilizers? What do you see in these cases? Well, these findings support the use of differential intervention. This concept goes back to those crisscross grocery shopping trips that you might do where you go to one store for fruit and another for meat. You're using different grocery stores or different interventions to match your needs. So what Taxman and Cotty challenge us to do is to better understand individual needs and how certain needs might group together. That way, when we send them to the grocery store, we aren't just sending them to any store. We aren't just giving them a generic one-size-fits-all recommendation. We're sending them to the store that will have the most programming for their specific needs or the best lot of fresh fruit. And We aren't just sending everyone to this store based on their risk. Rather, we're sending them to the store based on the prevalence of their need and the availability of resources to meet that particular need in a particular way. Think about it. If you're trying to stay healthy, you don't just go to the store and buy any and all food. You look at the nutrition label, right? You look at the calories and the fat, and then you make more informed decisions about what you're going to buy and ultimately what you're going to eat. Making informed supervision recommendations is a lot like grocery shopping for healthy food. You can't just consider your risk of hunger. You have to also consider a slew of other details. I know, it all seems messy and complicated. And have you seen the charts in that article? Ugh. But what Taxman and Cotty do is they discuss something you and probation agencies are already talking about at the ground level. What do you do with those who are deemed low risk but high needs, especially when the presence of their needs greatly contributes to their risk of recidivism? We don't have all the answers, but this study paves the way to understanding more about the problem and what can be done. It reminds us that not all food is created equal and not all individuals on probation are the same either. That wraps another episode of the ACE Tip Podcast, where we translate science 
in descents. Also, remember, you can find one-page summary overviews, written in plain language, and short knowledge bursts, which are essentially 30-second overviews of all the research we cover on the JCoin website. Our conveniently packaged research summaries may help you remember what you heard here, and they will definitely help you translate this research to your staff, friends, colleagues, or students. Additionally, we'd like to thank NIDA, Dr. Faye Taxman, and all the students and staff at ACE, including our podcast mastermind, Shannon Magnuson, who is the brainchild behind this podcast. Two additional notes. If you're a researcher and you'd like us to consider using your research for an upcoming podcast, send it to me at d-r-u-d-e-s at gmu.edu. If you'd like to support our podcast to keep the sense coming, tell your colleagues and staff about ACEDIT or assign us to your students. Thanks for listening. Please tune in again soon for another episode of the ACEDIT podcast, where we translate science into sense.